cry. The best that I could manage on this day I hadn't seen coming. This August day that deserved to be the greatest day of my life. Today it was official. I was free. No rodent under the floorboards free as I'd been the last eight years. No, this was the real thing. The wide-open invitation to take the outlaw roads in broad daylight, rebaptize myself in native soil, and make a mess of myself all over again. And maybe the joy would hit me after the dust did. In Shepherdsville they made bricks out of this clay, and walls with the bricks. And without those walls and men to stick behind them, there might as well not be a Shepherdsville. But look around, I told myself. No numbers here for roads or for men. No keeping track. I kept the windows down, taking the dust with the free air. Fatigue and the heat pressed against my neck. I'd been too jumpy to sleep for the past seven hundred miles, ever since I flew out of the Western Union office in Cape Girardeau like a bazooka shell with five Ben Franklins throbbing in my shirt pocket along with a telegram that hollered out, All forgiven, ha ha, stop. Paper needs your sign, stop. Get on home, stop. Love, guess who, stop. How familiar the voice, and the marvel of how readily the years withered against it had preoccupied me for much of the way. Now I could barely grip the wheel. I flicked the FM dial over to the Shepherdsville station. The voice belonged to an East Texas boy, a fellow by the name of George Jones. Now we live in a two-story house. It's splendid, but there's no love about. I joined in. How sad it is we now live in a two-story house. Then old George's voice was lost in a blizzard of static. I was still a good fifty miles to town. Presently the road cut past a meadow where a half-dozen Branguses stood up to their haunches in a stock tank, motionless and blissfully dim in the coppery pool. Now that's how you spend a summer day, God love em, I said. And with that came at last a smile. An entrance gate appeared on the left. My stomach flinched with the memory, but then I took a second look. The sign above the gate bore an unfamiliar name. Somebody Farley was the new owner of the ranch. The rush of air whistled out of me. I hadn't thought about Dell Sparks when I set out on this road. Likely Dell would have thought about me, and then gotten up to fetch his deer rifle. I couldn't hold this against Dell, who had been a pallbearer at my father's funeral. Hopefully the new sign didn't signify that he'd come to a bad end, and hopefully he'd gotten back the horse I had stolen from him. It wasn't his best horse, not even his second or third best. Beyond that, there was nothing more to say. I'd done what I had to do that early morning eight years ago, and no doubt if Dell Sparks laid eyes on me again, he'd do what he had to do. That misdeed, if not the others, had been a fluke of geography. Just east of the old Sparks Ranch, the meadow gives out to the Minerva River, which is too far from the road to be seen, though it runs fast enough that you can hear it when the air is still. It's a high, rattling whisper of a sound, like cottonwood leaves shuddering in a summer afternoon breeze. From this distance, and if you weren't from around here and you chucked your map and bellowed, Gimme some country, Lord, and made for the mule cart roads, 
From this distance, you would imagine the Minerva to be one of those shady little streams where you took your girl for a picnic on the first warm day of spring, and you bit your lip a little as she sat on a flinty overhang and hooched her lemon dress up to just above her knees and danced her candy toes against the surface of the water and looked up in time to catch your stare and blew you the lightest kiss. Well, God help your girlfriend's toes. I've seen catfish pulled out of the Minerva that, once gutted, belched out the slimy remains of squirrels, raccoons, and small dogs. For that matter, many's the night I saw my dad, who was Shepherd County's veterinarian for all of his adult life, depart the dinner table to go milk the leg of some fool who had invaded the sanctuary of a Minerva cottonmouth. The river exists in no postcard. Even on the calmest of evenings, it froths and flails like the devil's own handmaiden. Come late autumn, she is swollen like a tick. Come the winter rains...